Good morning. We want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the minister here. We're so grateful that you're here. It's October 11th, right? Which means that this is the Sunday with the most announcements in the year. Everything that has gotten going and everything that will be going in the very near future is all happening today. So I'm going to tell you all this um, stuff very quickly. Number one, uh, we start a new Bible study tonight for adults at 6 o'clock in the social hall, Finding Jesus in the Vine. Uh, Bob has been teaching us, and Bobby is now going to teach us. And I can tell you they have a plan all the way through the the end of the academic year, which looks really cool um, for them teaching us for the remainder of the year. This is the last Sunday to sign up for the Exploring Membership classes here at Memorial. You'll be part of a group right now. I believe we have 12 families. Those 12 families will um, gather together, learn with each other, and join the church together uh, near the end of the year uh, as a family, uh, joining our family. Uh, So if you would like to become a member or explore membership here at Memorial, please, when the attendance registers goes by, Um, please put that uh, on the attendance register. I'm going to call up our scouts um, for our good news of the week, and while they're coming, I'm going to tell you one more thing. Um, This is the last Sunday to sign up for basketball. If you want to play basketball here at Memorial, uh, you need to make sure that you sign up today. Uh, Make sure that you email us. Come on up. So our good news of the week is from Troop 107. Troop 107 meets in the house, the stone house, right beside our church. They're, they're um, becoming a vital part of our community and will continue to do so as our relationship builds. The good news of the week is that Stephen Green here in Troop 107 has some good news. My service project was very successful due to your support. We collected over 3,500 pounds of donations for Goodwill. Your generosity provided a scholarship for someone to earn a certified nursing assistance credential. With the support of United of Memorial United Methodist Church, I was able to earn my eagle in September. Thank you for your continued support of Troop 107. The man gets to it. I like it. I like it. Ralph asked to speak to you for a moment. Ralph is our lay leader. And in the United Methodist Church, that person goes to every single meeting and represents you. I don't go to all of them, but I try to. You may not know it, but um, I didn't know it either until somebody informed me. But October is Pastor Appreciation Month. And uh, this Sunday is Pastor Appreciation Sunday. Um, and even though Joe and Katie have only been here about four months, I think you'll agree there's been a dramatic change and you can sense some excitement in the air of, of great things to come for Memorial in this community. So with that in mind, uh, the SPRC has asked me to present a token of our appreciation to Joe and Katie. Um, I have a gift certificate to a strip club for them. <laughs> It's actually the strip club. (laughs) And uh, if you appreciate what they've accomplished so far, then um, offer your encouragement to them and 
let them know how much you appreciate uh, where we're headed. Thank you. Ralph always goes Ralph. <laughs> Terry Arthur is going to tell you about a project Foundations celebrates every year. Good morning. Now, how do you follow those two guys? But I like the Boy Scout style, right to the point. I'll try to do the same. <clears throat> As stated in this bulletin, it is my pleasure to thank you for your support of the Foundations Class Thanksgiving Project. This will be the 20th consecutive year, thanks to your generosity. As a reminder, needy families with children are selected from lists provided by elementary school teachers. These families, around 70 to 75 usually, will receive a turkey and all the groceries needed to prepare a complete Thanksgiving meal. The Foundations class will assemble these boxes here in the gym November 22nd, the Sunday morning before Thanksgiving, and deliver them that afternoon. So, what is our call to action? The cost is about $40 per family. We can support by our gift of any amount made to Memorial and note on your check or your envelope the Thanksgiving project. Or you can come and assemble that morning, Sunday with us, put these boxes together and, and help prepare the groceries. Or if you want, you and you and your children, if you want to experience the emotion of kindness shared, then help deliver the groceries Sunday afternoon. See the joy of the kids' eyes and faces when they answer the door. Especially when they see that huge bag of cookies right on top of the groceries. I don't think the cookies make it to Thanksgiving. Thank you for your support. Thank you, Terry. That's good. If you have prayer concerns, please raise your hand that you'd like to share with us. You can raise your hand and an usher will bring you a card. If you'll just write legibly in print and uh, we'll mention it in the service and it will be prayed over at the Tuesday prayer group. Katie, Jeter, pumpkins, go. <laughs> I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I'm glad I didn't have to go after Ralph. Um, I'm Katie Jeter. I'm the Director of Children and Family Ministries here at Memorial. And our pumpkin patch did arrive this week. Thank you to all those who helped make that possible. Getting the pumpkins unloaded and set out. Please stop by today and buy your pumpkins if you haven't already. But what I wanted to call your attention to this morning is our fall carnival and trunk or treat. There are some flyers on the back table that you're welcome to take and share with your family and friends and neighbors. It is on Sunday, October the 25th. We'll start out at five o'clock here in the gym with our carnival park games and there'll be a hayride and inflatable and dinner. And then at 6.30, we'll move outside to the parking lot for trunk or treat. There's a couple ways you can help. This year, we're gonna have a chili bar set up outside of the kitchen for our supper. We will have chicken and chips for the kids, but we would like for the adults to share in a chili dinner. So if you'll bring your best chili, we'll provide all the toppings you need and drinks. 
So that's one way you can help. And then we're also collecting donations of small prizes and peanut-free or nut-free candy. Um, you can bring those donations to me or my office or Miss Beth in the church office um, from now until the day of the event. Thank you. Take out your number two pencils. We're going to have a test on what we just talked about. <laughs> Who's in? I think that's enough. If you look, though, if you look at hospitality, worship, faith development, mission and service, and generosity, we've talked about all those things. This church is doing all of those things. Uh, so let's uh, turn our hearts to the Lord. Will you stand and worship with us? Saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now am found Was blind but now I see Gracious God, 
You are the God of our hearts and you are the God of our lives. And we are so blessed to have your love and your grace surrounding us each day. We ask that you fill us with your spirit and help us to grow in you and strengthen our faith. And that as we come together this morning, that you fill us with your word and your love so that we can take it to those around us. Focus our hearts and our minds on you now as we prepare to worship. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Children, come forward for the children's sermon. Good morning, boys and girls. Today's lesson um, is a little deep, okay? So I'm going to try very hard to put this into 
um, terms that you guys can understand. So I'm going to give you a question, and the question of the day is, are you good enough? Okay? Are you good enough? And somebody said yes, so that's awesome. Um, so I brought some trophies and some things here, medals and trophies, um, that my children have earned through various sports and things that they have played. Um, and I brought these because I think that the lesson that I want to talk to you about really kind of goes with this. And you guys can look at these if you want to. I want to tell you a story. I want to start by telling you a story. And then we'll talk about why I brought these trophies. Okay, listen, you ready? Okay, one day there was this young boy and he walked up to Jesus and he asked Jesus, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so Jesus says to him, um, well, you know, tell me about yourself. Do you know the commandments? Do you know to honor your mother and father and to not cheat and to not steal? Do you know all those things? And the, the young boy, he said, oh, yes, yes, I do. And he said, so does that mean I'm good enough to get into heaven? Yes. yes. Well, Jesus said to him, he said, no. He said, all of those things, all of those good works and all of those things that you do, they don't make you good enough to inherit eternal life because you need one important thing. You need God to help you to get into heaven. And I know that that's deep, and that's hard for us to understand when we're little kids. So that's why I brought these medals and things. Let me show you. Can I hold one of them? When we earn medals and trophies and ribbons and all of those awesome things and honor rolls and, you know, we get into the honor band or we do gymnastics and we earn things in dance. I know you do. When we get those things, we have a lot of people behind us that are helping us do those things. Here when we come to church, we've got all of these people sitting there behind you. Their job is to help you guys to get to know Jesus and to let Jesus come into your heart. So when you put your faith in Jesus, that's that one factor, that one thing that you have to do that we all need help with. Without that, we can't get into heaven. Okay, so God said... There is a very important Bible verse, and I knew this was going to be deep, and I didn't know my daughter over here was going to roll around and act like a monkey, but okay. Um, and the Bible verse is, and hopefully all of you know this Bible verse, verse, but it's, For God so loved the world, and I want you to listen to this. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, Jesus, so that whosoever believes in him will have eternal life. So it isn't what we do. It isn't how good we are. It isn't how many medals or how many trophies or how many honor rolls we get on, thank goodness, that gets us into heaven and gets us eternal life. All we have to do is to put our faith in Jesus, and that helps us. That is what we need to get into heaven. So it isn't what we do. It's what God did for us when he sent his son. Does that make sense? I know that's deep. I know that's very difficult to understand, but we are not, good, we are not the ones that are good enough it's Jesus who is the one that is good, okay? Bow your heads with me and let's pray. Thank you. Father, please help us to remember that it isn't our goodness and how many good deeds we do and how many medals we earn that get us into heaven. It is our faith in your son, Jesus Christ. And in his name we pray, amen.
prayer concerns that were shared with us are to reach out to Columbia, bless them with our prayers, our presence. For Lynn Pennington's mother, Nell Griggs, who had a fall, and for Bradley Christie's family, a former teacher at Blue Ridge Middle, whose daughter Alex drowned in the flood in Columbia. We can't quite comprehend the pain that they're feeling, um, but I hope that um, the book that we read in August, talking about the real will of God, talking about why things happen, talking about our impact in the community with our prayers and our actions, uh, can have a new lens on the tragedy, whether we experience here or around the world. Let us pray. Lord, we most certainly pray for those in Columbia this day. Those everyday things that we take for granted each and every day, we pray for the restoration of those for your people in Columbia. We pray that you give us uh, discernment, understanding, wisdom as to what we can do, what the most helpful thing we can do uh, for them may be both now and in the future. We pray for those who have family members who have lost their lives. And while we know that you are there to comfort them, that you welcome them, we know that the lost is uh, just about more than any human can bear. We pray for those in our church family and extended church family who are experiencing illness or pain. And we ask for your healing comfort with them. And that again, you may help us to be present for them in that pain. And as we read of um, Paul's experience in prison and his letter to his people, help us to understand his relentless, faithful pursuit of your word. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and power and the glory forever. Amen. We continue today in our series of five practices of fruitful congregations. Today we're talking about intentional faith development, like we did last week. The things that we're doing in between Sundays to build us up so that Sunday is a celebration, not the culmination of everything we'll ever do. Quote of the day is, Congregational leaders that practice intentional faith development carefully consider the full life cycle of members and look for ways the church forms faith at every stage. They look for gaps and opportunities and unmet needs to round out their ministries. They ask themselves if their ministry is sufficient, full, helpful, and effective. So seeing that quote made me wonder, what are some of these life cycles? What are some of these points in life in which we need to make sure that at Memorial we have uh, classes or uh, educational opportunities or worship experiences, what a uh, youth group, um, children, Wednesday night, Sunday night. So uh, this is as described by Dr. James Fowler. 
the Dr. James Fowler at Emory University, not on the second roll over here. <laughs> Although he is full of wisdom and rather helpful. This is Dr. James Fowler down in Atlanta. He said there, uh, he mentioned at least five, okay? The early learning of the safety of their environment. You know, any kid needs to simply know that they're safe where they're coming. And if they don't feel safe, they're not going to learn anything. They're not going to build anything because that, that is the root of it all. Do I feel safe in this home? Do I feel safe in this school? Do I feel safe in this church? The next thing humans learn is the difference between facts and fantasy. Facts and speculation. And what they love to do when they come home is tell you a fact that they learned today. A fact about the gospel, or a fact about a tree, or a fact about some squirrels, or a fact about math. Whatever it is, they've learned something today that is true, and they want to share it with you. And they're trying to separate that from uh, things that they've heard, both from their friends, sometimes their parents, sometimes their church. As you get a little further along, you start to question the things that you have taken for certain in your faith. You start to question the assumptions that you've made about God. You start to question the things that you've heard in church life. And it may be a life event. It may be in a relationship. It may be at work. Something in one of those places causes you to wonder if the thing that you've said a number of times about church and about God and about faith is actually true. Some people don't come back from that. Whatever it is made them question it, and they've gone away from the church, or they've gone away from their group, or in one way, shape, or form, and they're not going to come back unless we find a way to reach out to them. The fourth one is comfortable knowing that not all the answers might easily be found. So I see this as kind of a fork. There's a faith in I don't know everything, and there's a giving up in I don't know everything. See, they're really similar, but one is a much darker place. You know, I don't know that any of this is true. I don't know that I even care. I'm just, not, I'm not coming back. The other one is, I don't know every single thing that God is doing or how God is working and what my faith is, but I know that I'm going to do my part. I know that I'm going to participate. And then the fifth one is a sort of peace. If you get there, you have a sort of peace and simplicity in what you're doing. Dr. Fowler said there's only a couple people that are getting to this point, like Mother Teresa. She's like, you know, she never really wondered, she never really got up and said, what am I going to do today? She's pretty clear on what she was doing because she, understand, she understood what her call was. So think about those stages and how drastically different they are. And you might be inclined to put them at an age, you know, you know, teenagers are the one that's going to question the most. College is the one that might not come back. Adults are the ones that say, you know, I, I don't understand anything, but I'm, I, I have faith in God. But I don't know that it's a one-way street. And I don't know that it happens at a particular age. I just know that every one of these stages exists. When we walk in the door, we're all at different stages when we walk in as a family. So all the major biblical characters are given this opportunity to walk this life of faith. And Paul's is one of the most fascinating. This is from Philippians 3, 12 to 14. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took 
hold of me. What do you see in that phrase? Well, it's a letter from Paul in prison. So let's just back it up from that and think about the elements of prison. Okay, you've done some moderately serious crime to some heinous crime, and you're in there for a certain amount of time to an uh, infinite amount of time. You are in prison. You've got time. You can reflect. You had the threat of harm, both from especially time of the prisoners in there or the people who put you in prison harming you. So if I had an awful lot of time just to sit around and think about who could harm me or think about how I wasn't going to get out of this, I might struggle to have a positive attitude. I might struggle to stay focused on what God called me to do because of the everyday, day-in, day-out threat of my life. But Paul specifically is in prison because of his relentlessness. He would not stop talking about Jesus. He would not stop declaring it, even when all the religious leadership in that area wanted him to stop because when they crucified Jesus, they hoped the movement would be done, they hoped they wouldn't have to deal with it again, and now we can move on with the thing that we were doing before he ever walked in the door. But Jesus never stops talking about it. I'm sorry, Paul never stops talking about it. And so they say, fine, we'll put you in prison. And so he can't go directly to his churches, so he has to write a letter to them. And he writes them this letter from prison. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that in which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I like that he says, I've not obtained nor arrived. Now, on the one hand, Paul would likely say this about any subject because he's just so relentless and never stops and never lets himself believe that he knows it all. He's just going to keep striving. But in this particular case, it's about his understanding that he wants to know the power of the resurrection of Christ and the suffering of Christ and everything that Christ came to earth for. fascinating part about Paul is that prior to doing this, he was the one tracking down Christians. He was an all-star in tracking down Christians and trying to eliminate this movement. And when knocked off his horse by the Spirit of the Lord and saying, why are you doing this? Having to reconsider everything that he ever believed, everything that he was going to do, he shifted dramatically to the other side and started to proclaim it. And so now he's feeling the results of everything he did, tracking Christians down, hoping to stomp them out, putting them in prison, hoping never to look back. The other thing I love is that he says, I'm responding to the thing that has already taken hold in me. It's already taken hold in me. So um, this past, uh, these past six, seven weeks, I've been a leader in preparation for leading a group in Emmaus. And I hadn't heard much about it in the low country. Every once in a while I'd heard about it. But when I went to Buncombe Street, there was a great leader in Emmaus who invited me to go. And he invited me to go every six months, because it happens twice a year. And every six months I would say, what? No. Mm -mm. No. 
I, um, we've got this this weekend, we've got this this weekend, we've got this this weekend, we've got this this weekend. He'd say, fine. Six months later, he'd say, I want you to go. I'd say, no, can't do it. I think it took him five cycles of asking me. That's two and a half years. Is that that? Two and a half years. Two and a half years of asking me to go. And so, for those of you who don't know about it, it's just a, it's a time that pulls you away from your family, your work, your church, your everything, your cell phone, your computer, your watch, just to recalibrate, to get it back. Because it's hard to do that in the setting that you're in. To pull you back and to recalibrate, what, okay, where are we and what are we doing? And when I finally went, and when I decided to be a leader, and when I gave up five Saturdays in order to participate, it really dawned on me when I was reading this text that I was responding to something that was already working inside me. It's already taken hold of me. So when you think, I don't know if I can do anything of that. I don't know if I'm capable of that. I don't know if I can turn towards God. In almost every instance, the biblical leader says, I responded to what was already being done for me, to me. Verse 13 says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. So uh, whatever area of life that you're in, it seems the more someone learns about the subject, the less they feel that they know everything. It doesn't matter what subject you're in. The more education and experience an individual has in a particular field, more than likely, the more humble they will be about their knowledge in that field. He says, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Even though he's been called, he's responded to that call, he's started several churches, he's fighting against everything that is, he's in prison, he couldn't have lived it any harder or any better. But he says, I don't fully understand it. I don't fully grasp it. He says, I'm straining towards what's ahead. So um, I've mentioned our dog before. It's a um, Basset Dachshund mix. It's the first time we've ever had a dog, and I've taken him on a number of walks. You'll see us walking around this circle all the time. And what he has sniffed is not near as critical as what he wants to sniff. He's desperate. We've got, we, we've got to go over here. And I said, well, you know, it's going to be the same. We went by there yesterday. He said, I've got, I've got to go. I know that you're uh, 6'3", 235, 37, depending on. And I know that I'm this far off the ground and I weigh eight pounds, but we're, we're going to go over there. I'm straining towards what's ahead because I have to know what's going on there. Think about Paul. He says, whatever I've done, good or bad, and he's done an awful lot of good, and he's done an awful lot of bad. He says, I've got to let that go, and I've got to move on. I've got to strain forward. 
So we've got any number of reasons to stop straining forward, whether we feel we've done enough good and somebody else should do some more good. We've done too many bad things, and I don't know how anyone could use me as an instrument. Or I've learned it. I've learned everything that I'm going to learn. 14 says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Isn't it funny in the children's sermon we talked about trophies? We talked about prizes. And think about all the times in life when someone offers you a prize for something. He says, I don't press on to get something for me. I press on in order to understand more fully. Now, I've met several Eagle Scouts. None of them stopped at Eagle Scout and said, I'm done with this for life. I don't have to do anything else. They now carry the standard of being an Eagle Scout wherever they go. When they shake someone's hand and they talk about it, they are continually striving forward. So let's talk about these critical stages again. The safety of my environment. The truth versus fiction. Our own assumptions versus the faith tradition. Do I believe everything that I've said recently? Or is that shaken entirely? Am I comfortable knowing all the answers might not easily be found? Can I seek a special, simple grace that helps me understand what my talents are, what my calling is, and how I can impact this church and this community? The question we have to ask ourselves is, our church reaching out to every stage? Because a church could easily only reach out to two out of those five, or three out of those five. But when we're reaching out to all five then we're doing our job. I also think that, as I said, it's not an escalator ride up in which you never look back. There have been plenty of times when my faith, my understanding has been shaken, either by very good things or very bad things, by education, by ignorance. Any way, shape, or form, my journey has shifted and changed going up and going down. The Apostle Paul wrote his instructions to the followers of Christ with encouragements to learn, grow, teach, and mature. He presents faith not as something static, a possession, or an all-or-nothing proposition, but rather as something we grow into and strive towards. So something that we're going to truly focus on here forward is what are we doing to not assume that an adult has it all together and a kid doesn't understand? Or that an adult that has had great faith, who has had that faith rocked in some way, shape, or form by life, by death, by education, by understanding, by loss of job, can understand Christ's love for them more fully. Paul's relentless pursuit of the truth and relentless uh, desire to share that truth with us is to our benefit. And so what we're going to do here at Memorial is try to find ways on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Tuesday afternoon, 
Friday afternoon, whenever y'all want to get together, in whatever age you are, in whatever stage you are, to meet you right where you are in your faith journey so that we can all understand Christ's love for us more fully. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Let us pray. Lord, you understand us all. And you understand at times we are working hard. At times we are not. At times we are striving. At times we are not. At times we are encouraged. And at times we are discouraged. Help us to recognize that you are always working for us. Reaching out to us. Offering scripture. Love and purpose. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and read our affirmation together. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit, We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus, crucified and risen, our judge and our hope. In life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. We'll now give our tithes and other offerings. I am, I serve. 
trust what you say That you're good and your love is great I'm broken inside, I give you my life I may be weak, your spirit's strong in me sing with us. Doubt and fear. There is only one foundation. We believe, we believe in this broken generation. When all is dark, you help us see. only one salvation we believe we believe we believe in God the Father we believe in Jesus Christ we believe in the Holy Spirit and he's given us new life we believe in the crucifixion we believe that he conquered death we believe in the resurrection and he's coming back again. We believe. So let our faith be more than anthems. Greater than the songs we and temptations we believe 
things that we are up to in this community to make sure that people understand what we believe and what we're going to do about it. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you. Amen. Praise God, praise God, praise God who saved my week.